This episode of Screen Geeks Radio is sponsored by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com slash screengeeks. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Screen Geeks Radio, episode 139. This is Dave. This is Barry. This is from the people who bought, brought you grown-ups. Oh, really? Grown-ups. That's where you went with that, huh? Mm. <sighs> that yep. hurts. That hurts. Well, I've I've seen what the people of grown-ups brought us. I actually did see that film this weekend. Did you see it too, Ethan? Cheap night. We definitely have things to discuss today. All right, then. Well, yeah. let's go ahead and kick into uh, what we watched this week. We're going to... Yeah, be talking about the Super Bowl in general, I think, because there's more to talk about than just trailers, because there's jokes to be made. Of course, we're not talking about sports. No, don't, don't worry, listeners. Oh, no. We're not. We're, no, no, this is not a sports thing. But This is strictly nerdy guys, especially me, who knows nothing about football, talking about movies. So. And making fun of the Black Eyed Peas. Absolutely. <laughs> I think any opportunity to make fun of the Black Eyed Peas is a good thing. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll save that for the actual topic, though, because, I mean, we could make that a full episode all by itself. That's true. Before we get to that, okay, I'll let you, since you guys brought it up, Barry, why don't you kick us off? What have you watched, including Grown Ups? <laughs> well, well, I mean, I, I saw the uh, the new film from the maker of Grown Ups, Just Go With It, but we'll talk about that okay. when we get to that. Um, I saw a film I really love by uh, David Gordon Green called George Washington. You know, I, I've never seen this one before. It's available in Criterion. This is, of course, the man who went on to make, uh, among other films, uh, Pineapple Express. Uh, but this is back when he was making uh, making some really provocative character films like Undertow. Um, and I believe this was his, his feature-length film debut, and it's just stunning. Um, it's basically some kids growing up in, in total poverty and uh, basically how they deal with the world and, and themselves and a murder that, that kind of comes up. Even though the movie d- deals with some really sad issues, I find it's it's a really joyous film. Um, and the young performances that were just totally stunning. Um, yeah, I, I, rec- I highly recommend this film. I thought it was a beautiful, just a great example of a really low-budget film. Um, I'll get this one out of the way. This is this is a. I'm embarrassed to admit I've never seen this film, but I've been kind of on a John Huston kick, so I wanted to go back and actually see the Treasure of the Sierra Madre, which I've loved. never seen it either. I've never, you know, I didn't see it till the first time the other day. Perfect adventure film. Perfect. It's uh, it's everything you'd want from a adventure film. It's it's incredibly funny. It's incredibly dark at times. It's certainly shocking and unpredictable. Bogart couldn't be better, but Walter Houston, John Houston's father, gives like I think one of the great performances in cinema. This is the movie that gives us the line badges. We don't need no stinking badges. It's in this movie. Um, yeah, this is a film that everybody needs to see if you haven't seen it. Uh, two more. I wanted to mention a uh, great guy movie, a great action movie if you haven't seen it. Uh, Robert Redford did two action movies back-to-back ten years ago. One of which was called uh, Spy Game, uh, with with Brad Pitt, which I think is a completely expendable film. But one I think everybody needs to see is called The Last Castle. Um, it's with Robert Redford, Mark Ruffalo, and and James Gandolfini. It's oh a, yeah, yeah. It's a Prison Break movie, and it's great. It's really, really great. It's a total. It's completely implausible. But like, if you can imagine the Shawshank Redemption with machine guns and explosions, that's the last castle. I mean, don't go. Turn off your mind and have a great time. A lot, a lot of fun. And the last one I want to bring up was one that I know you saw, Dave, and I wanted to talk about the Sorcerer's Apprentice, which I did okay. finally get around to seeing. Yeah. Um, I'll say, like, I'm not a huge fan of the movie, but I find myself kind of defending it. I think the worst thing about it is that it really is one of these movies that tries to be all things to all people. Yes. You know, because like yes. you've got a teen romance. You've got a pop song that is that is you know throughout the movie this pop song which I hear still hear on the radio. It's an action film. It's a dark fantasy film. 
Um, it's a lot of things, and I think some of it some of it works really well. I mean, namely Nicolas Cage. I mean, this really is one of these cases like where the man can do no wrong. Um, I there there are moments I think that work great. The reprise of the actual Sorcerer's Apprentice sequence I loved. I wish yes. that, that could have gone on for ten more minutes. I would have been happy with that. And there's a moment uh, during a really inventive car chase where the characters are in this opposite <laughs> yes. backwards world. That's a wonderful scene. It's, a, like, it's a very inventive use of a car chase. I wish they had gone even further with that. It, it's a great scene. It only lasts for about a minute and a half, but it's it's just great. Um, I mean, uh, my problem with the movie, namely, is Jay Baruchel. I just. You know, the movie itself is, in terms of script, it's nothing special, but it just, for me, he, sa- he still sounds like Christian Slater with a cold. I just, I can't, I can't stand that guy. I just cannot my, stand him. Uh, my very good friend, Alex Moffat, uh, knows his sister, so I think I can pass it on if you want. <laughs> no, don't do that. You know, he, he has acting chops, but I don't know if he's I leading I think he's serviceable in it. I don't know if he's leading man material yet. I yeah. really don't. Um, maybe after puberty and his voice develops. No, that's me. Wow. But I'm sorry. I just I don't like him. I really don't like him. I I, I just you know I know he's something supposed to be like something of an everyman, but I I I would prefer Shia LaBeouf with his with his overacting. I really would. But to me, Dang. Jay Baruchel is just he just seems out of his league, especially in a movie like this where he needs to carry the film. He well, needs he's have, at the center of every scene. And to be fair, you do have Nicolas Cage um, chewing up the scenery along with Alfred Molina. I would have been happier without Jay Baruchel and just Nicolas Cage. Okay. I really would. But I know it's called The Sorcerer's Apprentice, so you got to have an apprentice. But to me, there's like there's a whole wealth of young actors that could have gone with instead of him. And when they used that pop song with with the Tesla coils and everything, that was incredibly cool. That was cool. And I, and I know Jerry Bruckheimer said that he wishes now that the film was in 3D because he thinks it would have made so much more money. And I wonder if the movie really would have been better with 3D because there definitely were some opportunities for 3D with the, the Tesla coil scenes. I guess. I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's a great film, but I think it's a very fun movie. Of the two Jerry Bruckheimer Disney movies that came out last year, the other being The Prince of Persia, which I didn't like at all, I, I, I would prefer to watch this one again. Yeah, I can, I can see that. That's fair. And I guess my last criticism against the film, and it's, it's kind of a criticism, there are so many special effects. Every scene has these special effects, and the special effects are so terrific, but there's such an abundance of them. After a while, like I stopped noticing them, even though I shouldn't, because they're really terrific effects. Yeah, you almost, you almost get kind of numbed to everything that's yeah, going on. Yeah, yeah. So. Come on, and, and the guy who's doing the Chris Angel spoof. That was, that was a, hilarious. That was a great idea. I think that could have, again, it's something they could have gotten a little further with. Like, I think there were all these really great aspects of the movie, but I don't think it's a great movie. But but I would definitely watch it again. It's it's certainly a watchable movie. Not a bad film, but could have been so much more, I think. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Is that for you, sir? That's it for me. All right, Ethan, I'll let you go next. Uh, I saw the Vim Vendors film, The American Friend. Oh, love that film. Yeah, the only thing is when I watched it, I was kind of out of it, so oh, I no. <laughs> I had like no idea what was going on. Ah. But visually, it was really nice, and the chemistry between <laughs> uh, the two guys was pretty good. So I still enjoyed it. Yeah, you know, this is one of the earliest Patricia Highsmith uh, adaptations of the of the Ripley films. Um, now I love Bruno Ganz and especially Dennis Hopper in this film. This is one of the great early undiscovered Dennis Hopper performances. And but no, you, you know what? You you really underlined it. You think is like you really got to be wide awake and maybe even a little caffeinated to watch a Vim Benders movie because his films do tend to be very leisurely paced, very lyrical, and very slow, let's be honest. But but I love the film. Yeah, it was good. Uh, next, I watched uh, Monsters, which I really liked. Thank I, you. Uh, In fact, I'd go as far as to say I think it's better than District 9. 
I, uh, okay. what I liked about it was that I think the, um, kind of the road movie aspect of it wasn't fully fleshed out enough. And like the sci-fi aspect of it wasn't fleshed out enough, but like combined, it was really interesting. And the, uh, I just thought the atmosphere of the movie was fantastic and just the pacing was really slow, but I liked that about it. And it was just really quiet. And, uh, the climax was very odd, but I, I thought it was kind of beautiful. Yeah. yeah I really liked that film. I'm glad. It's, as you know, one of my favorites from last year. I'm really glad you dug it as much as I did. Yes. Uh, now, I saw Close Up for the first time, the Abbas Karastomi film. Have you guys seen this? Heard of it, not seen it, though. Okay, it's um, it's about this guy who, uh, he's this, it's, set in a, it's an Iranian film, and uh, this guy, he's this huge cinephile, and he impersonates a director on the set of a movie, and uh, basically, half the movie is him on trial, where he's you know pleading for his case, and the other half is like uh, reenactments of him uh, doing his you know playing the director. And the thing is, they have all the people like they have the actual guy he's playing himself in the movie, hmm. and they have other people playing themselves, and it's like so meta and stuff and cool. it's a pretty awesome movie and uh it's actually pretty it's really powerful too because in the all the court scenes where he's pleading for himself he kind of is talking about his life and like how being able to impersonate this director was like this major emotional release for him and whatnot and yeah it's a really great film um Sweet. next i watched big bigger than life the uh nicholas ray film with uh James Mason. Have you guys seen this? I've not seen this, no. Uh, James Mason's this uh, dad in the 1950s, and he, he's, like, sick, and he takes this new drug, and it, it heals him, but it makes him, like, a huge asshole in the process. And, uh, yeah, it's it's all about, like, the 1950s and society then and blah, 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 but it's a really good movie. It's shot in color. Like, I can see a movie like this in the 1950s as to be being like, you know, we don't need to shell out the money for color for this, but it really benefits from the color. And it's it's on Criterion Blu-ray. Cool. It looks beautiful, and it's a, it's a very powerful film. Uh, next, I watched Vong Karwai's Ashes of Time, the uh, martial arts movie he made. It's yeah. pretty cool. Uh, it feels totally like a predecessor kind of to that Crouching Tiger, House of Flying Daggers kind of thing. Like, With nobody's flying films. in the air, but just the choreography of the sword fights is pretty similar. Right on. And uh, the final film I watched, now this, this is a, a special movie. A little movie called My Soul to Take. Oh, wow. <laughs> Why? Oh, boy. Ooh. This was, I think this was funnier than any comedy that came out last year. I completely agree. And, I, I you know, I would watch that movie again in a heartbeat. I love really? movies yeah. that, okay. that bad, yes. So I, I need I, to watch this. Yeah, I highly recommend it, Dave. Seriously. Okay. I mean, like, do, don't you agree, Ethan? Ethan, isn't this essential bad movie viewing? Yeah, I think it's basically Troll 2 with semi-competent cin- yes, cinematography. absolutely. Oh, okay. It's definitely that bad. Netflix. Oh, yeah. It's, just, it's well, hysterical. I can't believe that scene with the, the classroom presentation yes! with the buzzer. <laughs> was it the I California Condor? Craven, okay, Wes Craven, he wrote that and think, yes, this is a good scene. 
He storyboarded it. He's like, yep, this this is a good scene. He scouted locations for it. He's like, yep, this is this is a good scene. He rehearsed it with actors. He's like, yep, this this is a good scene. He shot it. He's like, yep, this is a good scene. He edited it. He's like, yep, this this is a good scene. Have you heard the commentary yet? I mean, apparently the DVD's got a commentary. I want to hear that commentary. Oh, yeah. And, oh, my God, this some of the lines are, like, when it gets too hot, just turn up the prayer conditioning. Yeah. No. Yeah, that is one. Uh, yeah. Oh, this must be. I will have watched this next by next week, one way or another. Yeah. Even if I have to set foot in a ball buster, I will, well, if there are any left, but. Well, it's, no, it's there. It's, um. Anything like? Did you make any sense of the opening scene? Because like the movie feels like it's opening mid-film, where there's already possession going on. It's this idiotic conversation between the guy and the, and the reflection in the mirror. <laughs> I just love that line. Where it's like, "This is for shut the f up." I laugh. Oh. And um, oh my god! Like I, I think Scream Four. I'm, I'm a little concerned. <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't write it, at least. Well, I wonder if this is his body double, you know, with all due respect to De Palma, who I love as much as you do, but, like, I really feel like De Palma's body double was something of a goof and just him messing around with the genre just for the heck of it. I kind of wonder if this is kind of Craven just messing with, like, you know, but uh, but on the same but on the same side, to not defend Craven, like, there's a lot of shocker in My Soul to Take. A lot of the same concepts, a lot of this, a lot of similar scenes. You get a feeling like he was really trying out shocker again, and it didn't work the second time either. Yeah, but again, people see this movie seriously. <laughs> yeah, I love My Soul to Take. It's it yeah, it's it's a one star movie, but man, that one star is shines bright. Okay. All right. Well, I guess that, is that, that was it for you, right, Ethan? Yeah. Okay. I will watch this movie. I have to find this yeah, movie. Absolutely. Oh, oh it's it's everywhere. You'll find it. All right. I'll get the 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 one really 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 good movie. I watched this. Actually, no. I watched a couple good ones, but I finally got around to seeing the King's Speech, and that was pretty darn good. Um, I agree with you on the cinematography. That's an ugly movie. Yeah. I mean, it's it's exactly what it needs to be. Right. But it's not that. Well, the art. You know, yeah. It's it's it, the art direction is not. Yeah, it's these crumbling places. I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, is it up for best art direction? Yes. Or, yeah. Well, but congratulations. Colin, Colin Firth and Jeffrey Rush are wonderful in the film. I think they yes. have an outstanding chemistry. Mm-hmm. Helena Bonham Carter is amazing. I think. I think she's well deserving of that nomination. Well, she was good. I don't know if she was super. I don't know if she's in the same league as some of the other people, but she was great as a very supportive wife. Sure. She's still getting used to her station and all this, and it was just a great movie. Yeah. No, it is. Yeah, I, I think it's a little overrated, but I yeah. but I do like it a lot. I mean, I, I walked out smiling and just saying, I got to show this to, to people I like. I, yeah, great film. <coughs> oh, the part at the end when Jeffrey Rush was mouthing all the swear words while he was giving the speech was, I love, I couldn't yeah. stop laughing. Beautiful. What, uh, what did you think of? I have a voice. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little bit um, <laughs> Lifetime Channel-ish. It's, well, it's a little Oscar movie-ish. Yeah. yeah. Like, Oscar Clay. That, that- and like that's my a new running joke with me and my friend Alex. We just we just apply that to everything. <laughs> <laughs> so many options. Nice, nice. Uh, let's see. Let's move down from there. I'll, I'll move in descending order. Uh, Joan Rivers, a piece of work. Mm. That was a very interesting documentary. Yeah, yeah, I like that film a lot too. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you were right. It, it does give a very different look at Joan Rivers. It is the foul-mouthed, gutsy, you know, old lady, but she's very. She's very open and honest in this film. And I, I thought she was really sympathetic, really came across that way. Yes, absolutely. Which, which I was cons- not expecting. Considering how how little of a fan I am of Joan Rivers overall, yeah, that really kind of surprised me. Yeah, it, it took me aback. 
Really enjoyed it. Um, I saw The Rock's movie Faster. Oh, oh my boy. gosh. Everyone needs to see this movie. Oh, yeah? It was everything I wished the mechanic would have been. Oh, wow. The mechanic was... Oh, I should, I should mention, I actually saw The Mechanic a few weeks ago. What'd you think? The best part was the, how, that the audience clapped at the end. <laughs> wow, really? Yep. Wow, okay. Cheap night audiences in Montreal, man. Cheap night audiences. They're clapping because it was over or because they loved it? or Because they loved it. <laughs> wow. Well, Okay. I don't get that, but all right, whatever, it's all good. So faster is what you wanted from the mechanic. I think so, yeah. Uh, essentially, The Rock, I mean, it's as basic and bare bones as, it's, as it gets. The Rock's character is name Driver. Like, seriously, this is how little they put His into it. His name is Driver, okay. But it's kind of like, it really, this really does feel like, whereas the mechanic wanted to be a Bronson flick, like the, that hard revenge movie, Yeah. Faster did it. Cool. And did it very well. Uh, there's a very interesting running things through the whole thing about revenge and what it does to you and how it destroys you and but he still goes through and essentially he plays a guy who was brought in by his brother to work on a uh, to do a bank heist they get hijacked and his brother gets killed he goes to jail gets out and I'm gonna kill everyone who was involved okay there it is and it was really good Billy Bob Thornton was very interesting as a uh, possibly corrupt just a guy trying to get by until he can uh, retire kind of cop and hmm. It's just incredible. I, I really cannot recommend this movie. Incredible. Highly wow. enough, unless you want a, if you want a good revenge action movie, this is does hits all the right points. So does this live up to the rundown, you think? Totally different. Because the rundown was funny. This is a hard, this is a pretty hard R, just with how much violence there is in it and everything. And yeah, really enjoyed it. Because so I did read some reviewers, kind of in the minority, who basically said they thought this was one of last year's best action movies and most underrated Absolutely. films. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No one saw the movie. I was so bummed when I didn't get to catch the screening and then it was out of theaters before I could even get to the theater to see yeah. it. But yeah, this this one's going to find a second life on, on DVD, I think. Cool. Cool. I'll check that yes. out. Yes. Uh, then, let's see. Wow. Where do I go from here? I'm going to save the TV show for last. I saw Red. Oh, Red. It wasn't awful. Nah. It it's it's it was kind of fun, um, but it's it, it's pretty much defines cotton candy cinema. It's fun. It's sweet, and it disappears and has no substance, and you completely forgot you watched it. Yeah, that about sums it up. For, it's a, it's a nothing movie. It's an action movie. It's an action comedy. It's not that funny. It's not that exciting. It's just watchable. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the best part of the movie was just watching uh, Helen Mirren and John Malkovich shoot up that kitchen. I thought that was yes. just, just to see that, obviously. I mean, that's that's the appeal of the movie <laughs> right there in a nutshell. But That's gold right there. But it, just, it feels like those actors are just really, like, they're better than that. They're you like, know? We, they, the, what this movie was, outside of Malkovich, I thought Malkovich was awesome in it. But outside of that, everyone else is just like, we just want to do a movie together. Yeah. Yeah, and unfortunately, that's the movie they picked to do together. Yeah. Then the last movie I saw, I'm still trying to figure out if this movie is one of the worst movies I've ever seen or a brilliant piece of abstract humor, and that would be The Other Guys. Oh, The Other Guys. Why didn't you like it? No, I think I did. You I think just you didn't, did. I just don't know quite what to think of it. Um, really? It's just so weird and, and random, and it's an, it is completely abstract. It, that movie could have gone a hundred different ways at any given point. Like when 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 he's trying to figure out why Will Ferrell's got all these women, you know, just following him, chasing him. I'm like, okay, so is this going to turn into Shallow Hal, where he thinks all these hot women, but they're actually ugly, or what's going on here? And then what what the hell is the peacock thing? And you gotta let the peacock spread his wings. I, that movie makes no sense, but it was so much fun. I think you're overthinking it a little bit. 
I no, I was just like, where is this going? I have no clue. Well, it's but, random. It's random, silly comedy. But it, And it's one of the few Will Ferrell comedies I actually enjoyed. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it's so stupid, though. Well, I mean, you know, it's making fun of all these, you know, all these aspects of, of cop movie cliches. I mean, yeah, no, it, it's funny. When they funny had Eva Mendes' mother keep going out and transferring. The- <laughs> yeah, that was great. And I loved, uh, you know, the ultimate scene in the movie between Sam Jackson and, and The Rock. I thought that was genius. Oh, God. Oh, in the theater. I lost it. Seriously. You're like, and, were, were, were they gay lovers and they just decided to, that was the way they were going to end it together? There are a lot of ways to interpret yeah, I think that. The Fighter song is what made that scene. Yes. Yes. I've never, every time I hear that song on the radio now i just start to laugh it's better than the foo fighters video and the video is pretty darn good too sure and the scene where she's cradling will ferrell's head and singing pimps don't cry like like exactly yeah it's just... it's comedy bliss no it's for me it is comparable to like anchorman it's it's at its best when it's completely absurd i think towards the end it gets a little plot heavy it does that's but... i think that's like my one problem with the movie i think like it takes its subplot with steve coogan just a little too seriously towards the end <laughs> but uh no i mean I, I think it's the funniest thing he's uh Farrell's done probably it, since elf if mark Wahlberg was great in it too Wahlberg, i thought was sensational just great i mean like what you can't get a better angry straight man than mark Wahlberg. maybe <laughs> other than like james woods you can't do any better than that no no you really can't and then finally i've been getting caught up on eureka uh which is you know, the first season kind of drags a bit because it, it essentially turns into the guy's a sheriff of a town full of scientists and it's disaster of the week. Kind of like Superman, Super. I mean, uh, Smallville was with the monster of the week for the first like six seasons. But um, in this case, there is still like the disaster of the week, but they're really bringing in some interesting character development. And it's I'm about halfway through, no, just about done with the second season. And it is just getting more and more fun with every single episode. Cool. It's on Watch Instantly on Netflix. It's well worth checking out. Great. So, yeah, let's go ahead and talk about what hit theaters this past weekend. Well, it's still February. You want proof? <laughs> the new film uh, from the makers of Grown Ups is now in theaters. It stars Adam Sandler, Jennifer Aniston, and Nicole Kidman. It's called Just Go With It. Um, also in theaters, Justin Bieber, Never Say Never. Also in theaters, Channing Tatum's new exercise to prove he's an actor. <laughs> it's called The Eagle. And also in theaters, Nomeo and Juliet, the latest 3D kitty film. And in limited release, a movie Dave and I love to get behind. <laughs> Orgasm Inc. This is a good film. Dave and I saw this at the Denver Film Festival, I think, two years ago. It's yeah. finally hitting theaters. Interesting documentary about the female equivalent of Viagra. This is yeah, a the good search film. for the for the little pink pill. It's fascinating. It's not a lascivious, sleazy movie at all. It's actually a really interesting movie about, about pharmaceuticals. And it's a which, film that knows exactly when to say, okay, just go ahead, get the laugh out. Yes. Let's move on. No, it, yeah, because it, it will give you the giggles, but it's I learned a lot from it. I think it's a great film. So. Yes. So did you see any of these? I, well, I saw Just Go With It. Um, <laughs> gosh. I don't even want to give that movie the time of day, but I'll, I'll say some things about it. Um, uh, all right, spoilers. All right, spoilers. Because um, i, I got to talk about this stuff. There's a, there's a subplot in the movie dealing with Dave Matthews. David Matthews plays uh, Nicole Kidman's husband in this movie. Like and Dave not, Matthews' band, Dave Matthews? The Dave Matthews, okay. yeah. And uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get into the Cole Kidman aspect, but I will talk about Dave Matthews. His character turns out to be gay, and like we know this because midway through the movie, he tries successfully to stick a coconut up his butt. And I'm just gonna leave that there. And yes, that's a scene from the movie. I'm not making this up. And towards the end of the movie, he comes out of the closet, and we know he's out of the closet because we see him talking to a group of sailors in a really animated way. And I just want to say, like, Adam Sandler, in addition to making these some really bad comedies of recent years, like, he's trying to push 
the like progress of gay people back like 10, 15 years. Like, you know, last year we had I Love You, Philip Morris, which showed like a complex and interesting and sweet and flawed and real gay couple that I really liked and found fascinating. And now Adam Sandler is like trying to push gay people back to being like these swishy, stereotypical, like, like puffballs who like to stick things up their butt, you know? And, and like I just like he does this in all of his movies between this movie and I and I and um, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry like he's trying to like re stereotype gay people which is like so weird that him of all people like he's really like uh, this is one of his most grotesque movies I think it, he plays a plastic surgeon yeah right he's playing a plastic surgeon and like it, you you see all these patients he has he has one one lady who has like one boob too big and like another lady her eyebrows are weird and it's just really grotesque humor uh, kevin nealon shows up as a plastic surgery victim and it's like really hideous um he's got chemistry with jennifer aniston i'll give him that they actually have chemistry together but this is still yet another bad movie that they're in together um i laughed really hard towards the end of the movie and i don't know if it's because the, if, if the movie just got funnier or if i just kind of I just lost my defenses and just wanted to laugh at anything. There's a there's a poop gag towards the end of the movie. I will I will admit I laughed very hard at that. This movie is full of obnoxious characters, obnox like really annoying characters. There's a character who pretends to be German who is completely obnoxious. Um, Jennifer Anderson's daughter pretends to have this really awful uh, corny British accent. Brooklyn Decker, who's been all over the trailers, the the swimsuit model making her acting debut. Um, she's a great great model. She's a great model as an actress. She's got a real feature as a model. Um, and then Nicole Kidman, like, this is a performance that is not going to win her an Academy Award. And and I hate to say that because I really like Nicole Kidman. And she's actually doing something really interesting in this movie, but it's not for – she really should have saved this character for a better movie. Um, yeah, this is this is easily, easily one of the worst films of the year. But um, I got to say it was fascinating because I think, like – I mean, it was really quiet for an Adam Stanley movie. Nobody in the theater was laughing. And then towards the end of the movie, it – you did hear some chuckles, some of which were coming from me, because it did have some really funny gags when the movie had like ten minutes left. So, uh-huh. yeah. All right then. Wow. Did you did you see anything this week, Ethan? No. Okay. But cheap night. Just go with it. Oh yeah. Wow. There you go. I can't wait to hear what you think of this movie. If you're so inclined to see it, Ethan, I'm not recommending it. But if you do end up seeing it, I, I know we'll definitely have stuff to talk about. So. Right. I feel kind of bad that we have to like pick on Adam Sandler all the time because I do like him. You know, I I would go so far as to say I love Adam Sandler. I love his early movies, and I think he can actually act. Unlike a lot of comic actors, I think he's actually a terrific actor. Um, but like, it's it's interesting that this movie, his new movie, takes place in Hawaii because I think the last quote unquote like typical Adam Sandler movie that was really great was Fifty First Dates, which took place in Hawaii. I think that's yeah. a really great Adam Sandler comedy. It is. But since then, let's count them off. We've had Mr. Deeds. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Click. Um, Funny people. Zohan. Funny people. The total, total out of character movie, of course, that nobody liked because it was a serious Adam Sandler. People don't like Adam Sandler serious. So they didn't go see it. <laughs> um, you know, grown ups. Uh, I know I'm missing one, but yeah, I mean it's it's been it's been really rough. It's been rough because like it it's sad when we look at Billy Madison, which is a stupid movie, but like we go, you know, that's that's vintage Adam Sandler right now. Yeah. That's yeah. a that's or a happy real Happy Gilmore, I would see, is a great... For me, that was the first great Adam Sandler movie. And then, like, The Wedding Singer, the first classic Adam Sandler movie. There you go. Water, I love The Water Boy. I'm on the fence about The Water Boy, honestly. I never, I've never understood the appeal of that movie, but I, I laughed when, I, when you see Henry Winkler's tattoo. That still makes me laugh just thinking about them. So. All right, then. 
Oh, what's hitting on DVD this coming week? On DVD, what do we got? Uh, let's see. Tony Scott's Unstoppable, which was made in 1985. is a film called Runaway Train. See that film. Waiting for Superman, one of the most talked about documentaries of 2010. It's supposed to be a really good movie. One of the big disappointments of last year, uh, and this is hard for me to say because I love Woody Allen, but you will meet a tall, dark stranger, sensational cast, completely missable movie. Sorry, but true. Uh, Summer Wars, visually stunning, stunning anime film. Um, uh, it played at the Denver Film Festival last year, just visually beautiful, beautiful film. Cool. Uh, Doctor Who, A Christmas Carol. You've Amazing. Seen, it, it was yeah. the special from this year, and Matt Smith is becoming the Doctor, and it, it is so much fun. I mean, it's a sci-fi, otherworld take on The Christmas Carol, and it's nice. incredible. Very good. Well, there's a lot to choose from, but if I had to pick Robert Downey Jr.'s best penultimate performance, I would pick his performance as Charlie Chaplin. The film Chaplin is now being released in a 15th anniversary edition. If you haven't seen this and you like uh, Robert Downey Jr., you need to see this. It's a fascinating film about the early days of film. It's got everybody from Mila Jovovich to Marissa Tomei to Anthony Hopkins in the cast. It's a great film. I highly recommend Chaplin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twilight Zone, season three on Blu-ray. Excellent season. Check it out. It's Actually, it, uh, yeah, I've been reading reviews on this, and apparently it has some of the most amazing episodes and some of the worst episodes of the entire run. That, that would be all, like, the live episodes. Not the live episodes. The one that they shot. There's a few they shot on video, and the the comic episodes tend to be really hit and mostly miss, unfortunately. Yeah. Other than still a classic one. show. Yeah, still great. Even the bad episodes are so interesting to watch. Um this was an interesting film, documentary. Did you see William S. Burroughs? No, no, I ended up missing it. This is a fascinating film about, of course, William S. Burroughs. It's called William S. Burroughs, A Man Within. This is a documentary, of, I'd say a pretty definitive documentary about his life. It covers all aspects. We even have footage of him rapping with, with David Cronenberg about the film of Naked Lunch. Um, Burroughs is not easy to like, and uh, the movie does not disguise that. In fact, there's aspects of him that are, well, I mean... You could certainly watch this film and call him a pedophile, um, and the movie doesn't shy away from that. And I, I really applauded how bold this film was in showing the artist and kind of the monster that he ultimately is. Um, it's definitely a movie that will get people talking, so check out William S. Burroughs' Man Within. Uh, let's see. Finally, a film from our <laughs> past. Man. Well, Barry's in my past. Yeah, our past. Yeah. This. this is so basically ancient past. Paddington Bear, the complete series, now available on DVD. Oh, uh, yeah. Who asked for this? I have no idea. I didn't ask for it. <laughs> I'm not going to buy it, but I was like, that's cool. Just the fact that it's on the shelf, it's like, oh, nostalgia. Yes. All right, shall we move on to some news? Yes. All right, I guess I've got the, the, the lion's share of the news this week, don't I? Yeah. Um, let's just get the big one out of the way. The X-Men First Class trailer hit. You saw it? I did. Ethan, did you see it? Oh, I lived it. Did you? <laughs> All right, then. That, 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 what did you think of it, Ethan? Uh, my big question is, what are uh, yeah, there's that one shot in the trailer. What are Magneto and Professor X doing in the Black Lodge from Twin Peaks? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't go. know, but I enjoyed the reference. Just thinking about the implications is interesting. Um, I, I, you know, I'm, I saw X-Men The Last Stand, I saw X-Men Origins Wolverine, I was expecting complete and utter crap, and this doesn't completely suck. It looks to me like more of the same with a great cast, or a better cast, maybe, depending on how they do. Um, yeah, I think it, it, it looks like it has a lot of potential, but, uh, we'll I'm see. I'm still standoffish about it, yeah. I, I, I'd say of, like, the comic book movies coming out next year, I'm looking, uh, or, oh, wait, this year. This oh, year, yeah. Oh, isn't it? Uh, I'm probably looking forward to this one the, maybe the most, just because I like the whole period thing about it. Like, I think it's pretty cool that they're, like, uh 
it's like the Cuban Missile Crisis is going on in it, right? Yeah, yeah, and I appreciated that, that a lot. That's that's cool. It is, and when you see James McAvoy and he's doing Charles, I can I can visualize what he's going to look like bald. I'm like that can still be kind of cool. <laughs> Um, now, if I had to choose between seeing one of the, the new comic book movies that are coming out this year, for me, it's between this and Thor. So We'll see. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure we'll discuss that a little bit in more Just detail. a little bit. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, <laughs> you know how you're saying, who asked for Paddington Bear to come out on DVD? My question is, who asked for a Millie Vanilli movie? But we're getting one. I'll, you know, I'll give it this. It's an interesting story. It really is. I mean, I was I was all on top of that when that happened. I was a fan of theirs, and I was pretty pretty horrified when I found out that they were lip syncing. Um, but this is, you know, the first time VH1 did that behind the scenes. You know, yeah, behind the, the music. Thing, behind yeah. the music. Thank you. The first, I believe, the first episode they ever did was about Millie Vanilli, and it was so engrossing in that form. I don't know if this is going to work as a feature length film unless it's a total goof, like yeah. you know, like Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson as Millie Vanilli. Um, I might see that. Seriously, I mean, like, I, I could see it going that way, but as like a serious straight drama, I don't know if if this is a story that people would even connect to anymore, or, or if it's something that even needs to be seen on the big screen. Yeah, I don't know, because like you know, they made a movie about about Biggie Smalls a few years ago, Notorious, which I thought was pretty good, but it could have been you know pretty pretty great. And I think a great movie could be made about the life of Tupac Shakur. I really believe that. But Millie Vanilli, like I'm thinking about like '90s pop stars. In this case, late '80s <laughs> pop stars, like. <laughs> you might as well do New Kids while you're at it. I think that would be a better story. You know, like, they, they did a movie about Bobby Darren a few years ago, Beyond the Sea. The, yeah, with the Kevin Spacey. Spacey. And I thought the movie, like, why are they why are they making a movie about Bobby Darren? Who cares about Bob Splish Splash? I was taking a bath. This guy's like, like, there's never been a movie about Dr. King, but we got a movie about Bobby Darren, and that's kind of, like, Millie Vanilli, really? Like, we need the Millie Vanilli movie? I think the documentary yeah. kind of summed it up. I think what they should do is get like one actor to play them, but then just like digitally <laughs> map the things. Arnie Hammer as Millie and Vanilli. That would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, Barry, why don't you go ahead and shoot off your story? Yeah, sure. One of my favorite sites, arrowonthehead.com, reported that uh, with GB3, things are on the table. Bill Murray is currently perusing the script for Ghostbusters 3 that Dan Aykroyd and crew have liked, and, and everybody wants to go and do it, but it's up to Bill Murray. And, you know, I got to say, I appreciate Bill Murray's stance in this because, on one hand, uh, there's a lot of people like me who are going, yes, do Ghostbusters 3. We all want to see it done. It's going to be so much fun. But Bill Murray has been there before, and he w- he's publicly talked about how much he did not like Ghostbusters 2. And certainly, if you do a third one, let's let's do it right. Let's not do something that people are going to be embarrassed about or something that's going to embarrass him. Um, so apparently, he is perusing the script very carefully and talking with the writers, and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see. Interesting. So stay tuned. All right, then. Huh. That, that should be quite interesting. Uh, Ethan, you want to go back and forth a bit? Sure. All right. What you got? Uh, Nicholas Winding Refin and Ryan Gosling are going to team up again to do a remake of Logan's Run. Hmm. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Because unlike some things, uh, Logan's Run, I could see, like, unlike Millie Vanilli, which I feel is, is such a part of my childhood where it should stay, I feel like Logan's Run could be brought back in a way that's respectable and, and you know, updated in a way that, that's really cool. Because I think there is something, let's face it, kind of cheesy about Logan's Run, even though it's a really cool movie. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Well, the fact that it's Nicholas Winding Refin is, like, pretty exciting because i like i was watching of valhalla rising again the fact what he does in that movie with like no money is pretty amazing so what do you like the idea of him with a big budget is like it's pretty titillating kid in the toy store cool 
right on. Um, apparently, for some reason, um, well, no, I guess I can under- kind of understand why, but Noah Murrow is going to be directing Die Hard 5. What has he directed? Uh, the Halo commercials for the video game. The, the real, Halo the commercials? Real life, the real life ones. It was, they're essentially kind of done as specs for the movies. Yeah, I've seen them, but... Yeah, so that's, that's, that's actually what... his big thing. And he did Smart People, which is perfect for... for... Smart People. The one with, with Dennis Quaid? Yeah, and Ellen Page. and Yeah. yeah. He did, and now he's doing Die Hard 5? Yeah, it does not seem like a natural segue. Y- you know, what's his name? <laughs> the, the guy who did the last one, that feels more more of a... You know, the guy... Uh, it was Wiseman, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Lou Wiseman. Yeah, I mean, that... Uh, Len Wiseman or whatever. Yeah, Len Wiseman. I mean, that, that, that feels like a guy who should be doing Die Hard, not the director of Smart People. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I'm sure you can't wait for it, right, Ethan? Uh yeah yeah. <laughs> I want to see Die Hard Five. I do. I've always wanted to. You know. Wait, will it be in 3D? That's that's because uh, if it is, so I'm I'm in. We can hope. I want it to be hard R, and I want John McClane to die hard at the end of the film. That's what I want. There you go. All right, Ethan. Uh, my next one is that uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's next two movies have found financing from this magical trust fund baby. <laughs> And what are those next two projects, sir? His untitled Scientology movie and yes. uh, Inherent Vice, which is a Pinchon adaptation. So wonderful, yeah. Right on. Well, Pinchon, that's I think that's it's tricky. cool that this this uh, this lady I was reading about her. Of course, she's rich, and she was like had this party girl reputation, but now she's be she's serious about becoming a movie producer, and she's uh, pr- she's funding John Hillcoat's next movie, and she's fun- funding these two, and she I think she partly funded True Grit, so it's like wow, why can't more rich people do this with their money? Because <laughs> we we've got something like that in Denver. There's someone in Denver who funded Ray, and I think one of the Narnia films. So like, huh. apparently this is this is not uncommon in Hollywood. All right, did, did he fund a d four seventy six? Remember that trailer I showed you last? Oh, that's right. No, this Colorado's is, room. Thankfully not. Thankfully not. And well, real quick question about this: Do we know for a fact that that film, uh, the, the P.T. Anderson movie, is about Scientology? Because I thought it was just about a cult. I didn't. I didn't hear that it was specifically about Scientology. Yeah, I don't think it is either, but I think it's like at least alluding to L. Ron Hubbard yeah. a bit. So Yeah, that's what I heard too, that it is about like a cult figure of sorts, but I wasn't sure if like it was gonna be like the Kevin Smith route with Red State or if they were going Or the South Park route. Sure, yeah, right. Like I you know, I I didn't oh know. God. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I've got two – I'll do two stories next just because I know, like, Ethan's got one more, so I'll put these two together. Did either of you see the Atlas Shrugged trailer? No. No. You didn't really miss a heck of a lot. <laughs> Not the biggest Ayn Rand fan. Neither am I, but and I'm not someone who's tried to read, you know. Yeah, I'm fascinated because especially Atlas Shrugged and Ayn Rand stuff in general tends to be the – Groundwork for the um, libertarian movement, as well as a good chunk of the Tea Party movement, believe it or not, which is kind of odd when you can think about how many Christians are involved with the Tea Party movement, but that's because people don't listen to what they believe in. Okay, Um, but the trailer, it looks really low budget. I'd almost put it on left behind levels. Really? Yeah. I think wasn't this a case where they had the rights and they were expiring, so they're like, "We got to make a movie in like two weeks." Oh no, that's how. That's why Roger Corman made the Fantastic, Fantastic Four. Four. It doesn't look that bad. <laughs> Shoot, but it looks like a period version of like Left Behind or like one of those really crappy TBN movies. Who's that's, in it? Anybody I don't even know? Remember? Uh, let, let me pull it up. It, it wasn't anyone all that super duper. 
interesting or exciting. Because uh, people have tried to adapt and rain before, and it's it, it hasn't gone well. No. There's just some authors, you know, it's like the same thing with The Catcher in the Rye. There's just some books that are just not filmable, and that's perfectly okay. They exist fine as, as entities to be read, not to be watched with THX surround sound in 3D. Yep. Oh yeah, it was okay. So by spring of last year, he had to make or lose the make the film or lose the option. By May, he planned to shoot in June, uh, even though there was no cast. So two weeks before shooting, yeah, yeah. So it's, wow, it's, yeah. So it's, uh, <laughs> God, yeah. Uh, it's like, let's put Johans- on a show, kids. Apparently, Sorry. Paul jo- Johansson is both directing the film and playing John Galt. And let's see. Here are the dra- the actors: John Polito, Michael John Lerner, Graham okay. Beckel. So you got two Barton Barton Fink actors right there. Okay, Eddie oh, or Eddie Gathegi and no Patrick idea. Fischler. Um, yeah. Do we know if this guy's directed before anything? Or I don't see anything. Did he in also here. direct a Halo spot? Or? No, no, no. I don't think he <laughs> did that. I don't think Shoot. He did that. So yeah, I'm not super duper. All these amazing directors, and they're like they're not doing the movies they should be doing. Yeah. And the second part before I kick it back to Ethan is that apparently, <laughs> I don't understand why someone would want to do this, but the guy who's a script supervisor on the room, that would be oh shoot, what is his name? Let me find it. Uh, his name is crap oh uh sandy schler uh was hired as, as a script supervisor and he was pretty much asked by according to him in an entertainment weekly spot he was asked pretty much by wiseau to direct the film was he kidding he's looking at trying to get director credit for the film <laughs> why would someone do i this? don't get it because this movie is a success but this isn't like being left out of the dark night grosses it's the room. Yeah. No, there have been actors who've been like, no, he pretty much directed us because Wiseau is too busy acting. Uh, he redid a, a chunk of the script to make it funnier. The guy dodged a bullet. He does not yeah. want this on his resume. <laughs> That's well, I, I, did, I, sorry, I was just realizing while listening to this that couldn't you see like Tommy Wiseau in blackface playing one of the Millie Vanilli people? <laughs> <laughs> that is a ticket sold right there, my friend. <laughs> we, we got one. Oh my gosh! <laughs> that would be. Amazing. He even has the accent. Come to think of it, so that's that's actually pretty inspired yeah, he has casting. The build and the hair, and you're right. Does he have the dance moves though? I'm trying I'm to remember sure. the I, can, oh, I imagine he does. I hope he doesn't, because that could make it even more special. And hopefully, he'll not get wind of this podcast because I could just see him doing that video just to, you know, oh, it'd just be like, get it'd be investors like, interested. It'd be like the special uh, of the Office UK edition when they had the David Brent version of you don't, "If You Don't Know Me by Now." Like, that's what I could hope for. Or like the uh, the blood that rained on Alex trailer. Did you see it? The, the oh, short. Yeah. yeah, that's such a god awful short. It's awesome. That that about sums it up for me too. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, uh, tell me why, why so. someone would want to take that credit. Okay, I don't know. Um, Ethan, what else you got, sir? Uh, last thing I have is that after the next Batman, uh, Christopher Nolan might make another Howard Hughes movie. Hmm. That could be interesting. I, I don't know what else there is left to say. Yeah. Unless yeah. he makes Howard Hughes turn into a superhero. Then it could be kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, it feels like been there, done that, you know? It's like well, Bos, it, Bos Lerman it, wanted it, to... Go ahead. No, you finish. You finish. I, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I know Bos Lerman wanted to do an Alexander the Great movie, and he was like, no, you know, after after Oliver Stone. <laughs> after that movie didn't go very well. He we put Stone it, take the put bullet on that one, yeah. No, I, I don't think Alexander's the worst movie Stone has made, but let's face it, not a great movie, and it was a huge, huge monster flop. So Bos Lerman was like, no, I'm, you know, I'm not going to do it anymore. Um, the Aviator was successful, but... 
I just wonder, is there anything left to say about Howard Hughes? Because I really feel the Scorsese movie said it. If The Rocketeer didn't say it, Scorsese's film said it. What I think about this is I I totally just imagine like, you know, Oscar morning, the nominations for best director are announced and Nolan's name doesn't get called. And he's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going for the Oscar. (laughs) Dang it. I'm going to try to get one now. (laughs) That's a possibility. I don't know. Uh, My last story is that Colin Firth and Nicole Kidman might, they're in talks right now to be in Park Chan-wook's new film, uh, Stoker. This is, the man who gave us the Vengeance trilogy, which I think we're going to do as an episode here yeah, out fairly soon. Definitely. Um, and essentially, the film's written by Wentworth Miller, and it's about a teenager who, after the death of her father, must deal with a mysterious uncle who returns to spend time with the family. Uh, he essentially wrote it with um, with Shadow of a Doubt in mind, kind of mm. like as an homage to that. Wow. So that could be really interesting. And this is going to be set in 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 China. No, it's in the U.S. I think. No, it's this is his first. This is Park Chan-wook's first, first American, American film. Because yeah, Colin Firth and Nicole Kidman are very Chinese, Barry. Yes. Well, I'm just wondering if it's going to be like, oh come on, <laughs> you had to go there. I did. No, no I was thinking about like uh, when Richard Gere did Rhapsody in August for Kurosawa. I was wondering if it was going to be like that because that movie's entirely in Japanese. So I was, I wasn't sure if like, you know, how 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 dedicated Farrell and Kidman were for this thing. So Fair okay, enough. so it's an American film uh, yeah. made by this and, brilliant and, director. Oh goodness, I'm going to butcher her name, but Mia Wasikowska. Oh, that that no talent girl from from Alice in Wonderland. She's uh, going to be the girl, but it's it's Park Chan Wook. So I'm they interested. need to stop hiring this girl. I mean, just look at her work in The Kids Are All Right. The Kids Are All Right is full of great performances. Hers is not one of them. She can't act. Wow, don't hold back. Have sir. you seen that show uh, In Treatment that she's on? No, is she good in that. She's very good in that. All right, well, I'll watch in treatment, and then I'll change my mind. <laughs> All right then. Well, uh, before we go ahead and take our break, we're going to go ahead and do a quick, quick message from our sponsor. We now have a sponsor, but right now, uh, Audible.com has stepped up. They are awesome, and they've been kind enough to offer Screen Geeks Radio listeners a free 14-day trial to check out their service with a free audiobook download. Here's a really cool thing: um, even if you don't keep the service, the book you download, you get to keep for free no matter what. Um, I know, like, between driving to, to screenings, going to screenings, watching movies, going to work, all that crap, I don't have as much time to read as I'd like. And I love doing audiobooks. It's a beautiful thing. And this is actually pretty stinking cool. They've got over 85,000 t- titles to choose from. Uh, so I'm betting you can probably find something you want. Uh, I, I just briefly perusing, I found uh, Good Omens by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. It's like a 13-hour book. I'm like, for free? <laughs> Heck yeah. Wonderful. So yeah, I, I asked, did you find anything as well, sir? I certainly did. Um, I found uh, Kenneth Branagh reading Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness. Oh. Um, Branagh is the man, especially <laughs> when it comes to reading books. I've listened to him read Frankenstein a few years back, and this is when he made the movie, and uh, his reading of that was sensational. And I'd love to hear this, uh, because Heart of Darkness, I'll be honest, it's a little depressing, but um, it uh, perfect timing. I'm actually showing my students Apocalypse Now next week, so you know, it's it's like Heart of Darkness week for me. Um, and Heart of Darkness is really by, I think, one of the great adventure stories. So I'd, I'd love to hear Bronner read that. And what a, what a treat that he read this classic work of literature. Yes, and Ethan, you, you're scaring me. You said you had a really good one. I'm a little scared to see what you found. My pick is Late, Late at Night, the autobiography of Rick Springfield. Nice. Wow. Good choice. Read by Springfield? Yep. Oh, man. <laughs> Screw Conrad. I'm going to listen to that. <laughs> That's not man. a winner. I don't know what one Sweet. is. Sweet. <laughs> so, yeah, obviously, their their catalog kind of runs the entire gamut. So if you want to check it out, by all means do, go to audibletrial.com slash screengeeks. You can get your 14-day trial set up and everything. And 
it's it's pretty sweet. I'm thinking I might actually just like subscribe outright because there's so much stuff to go through. But let's take a quick break. Uh, we'll come back and <laughs> kind of take take a bat to to some stuff at the Super Bowl and talk about the trailers too. Yes. Sue Ellen Greenblatt is a real person, not an internet celebrity. So we've enlisted Billy Flynn and the vicar to help her tell her story. Geek Radio Daily gives me geeky news about movies, new DVD releases, even comics and gaming. Geek Radio Daily makes me feel special. Ah, yeah. Womanly. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the episodes are just 15 minutes, perfect for my commute, or for just geeking out while I'm at the office. Mm. All in one concise love package. Ooh, the package, baby. Uh-huh. And the best part is that it's a daily cast, so I'm always in the loop. Sometimes I listen to it out of the bath, put on little outfits. Ah! It makes me want to invite all my friends over to show how refreshed I feel. Mm, a slumber party, baby. What? That's not what I said. Get out the chocolate mousse. Duct tape. Oh, get out of here, you freaks. Geek Radio Daily. One 15-minute podcast provides 15% of the USDA-recommended daily allowance of geeky goodness. Subscribe through iTunes or visit geekradiodaily.com. And we are back after that sultry, smooth goodness to uh, talk about mostly the trailers of, of what happened, of what showed at the Super Bowl, mostly because a lot of these films, this was the first look we got at these. Yeah. And do we want to do that first, or do we want to talk about... Let's get the Super Bowl out of the way. Okay. Um, <laughs> it was a good game, I thought, first of all. I'll just say oh, that yeah. on a sports yeah. end, that's all I'll say. Now, anytime you don't know what's going to happen and what the outcome's going to be you know, in the last couple minutes, I mean, that's, that's exciting. That's just, yeah. that's just great you know, showmanship. Uh, I was like drunk by the end of the first quarter, so like the game didn't really matter. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. All right, well, onto the onto the trailers then. <laughs> well, no, 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 because we have to talk about uh, Christina Aguilera. Oh man, I don't really care that she butchered the words. <laughs> it's like she was like warbling all over the place. So I'll hit the note eventually. <laughs> it reminded me of uh, Frank Drebin doing the same thing in The Naked Gun. <laughs> so huzzah to the late Leslie Nielsen right there. Wow, and you know, Leo Michelle. From Glee, doing the song before that, you know she can sing, but I figured out why I don't like her voice. It's because every time she changes notes, it's like she's you're changing gears on a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, she reminds me of that little girl mouse in American Tale singing somewhere out there. She's really cute and adorable, but you know it's this little girly voice. And then there is the the lycra light suit <laughs> fetish show that was the Black Eyed Peas. Oh man, that was a bad show. I don't like that to begin with. I actually stepped out of the room for that. I did too. I I went and you know hit the boys' room, loaded up on food, ran the dog, came back. Dang it, they're still going. Well, you missed how they were a little out of sync at times. Um, oh, her for, the Fergie was. Yeah, they were they were pitchy. Yeah, it was just it. You know, they've no question. They do some danceable pop music. I will give them that. But yes. this was. Uh, this was not the best that the Black Eyed Peas could offer. This is not like when, let's see, who we had it has been amazing. This isn't like when the Stones like, rocked the... Or Prince. Yeah, or Prince, thank you. Then When they've just rocked the Super Bowl, this was not the case. Or Janet Jackson. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, <laughs> I was just, I was getting so snarky on Facebook by the end of that. I'm like, it's getting more progressively worse and worse. You were, because uh, as I told you, on Super Bowl Sunday, I was making car runs back and forth from the airport, picking up people for Julia's work, and... I got to uh, the Super Bowl party during the last hour of it, really. I got to see. But, you know, I got there just in time for the Black Eyed Peas and all the stuff I missed. Jules was like, well, look what Dave has written. So, like, I went through all your <laughs> scrolls. and like, God. 
<laughs> a little cynical today, Dave. Well, it was just awful. Okay, but so let's talk about some trailers. Yes. Um, where do we want to start off with? Do we want to talk about Fast Five first? Yep. Wow, that looks so... I want to see it. It looks fun. It looks fun. Fast and Furious, the previous one, which I defend. I think it was a lot of fun. It's everything these movies should be, but weren't for like two movies now. It needed a great villain, and they didn't have it. And this time, like the opposition is Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. I think it's going to work. And if it works, it's going to be in that limited, stupid, Fast and Furious way. But what the heck? It looks it looks fun. Ethan? Uh, I don't know if I've seen any of those movies, so I, I, I don't have much to say, really. So the trailer didn't do anything for you, though? It, 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 uh... Do you remember it? Uh, I don't even know if I saw it. We, we watched the Canadian feed, so we only got a few of the trailers, but... Okay. See, I it's thought... nothing I would, like, go out of my way to watch, so... <laughs> gotcha. After seeing the Transformers 3 trailer, it looked like they both could exist in the same universe. I'll give you that. And I, wow. And you're, but you're right. You know, Dwayne Johnson being the bad guy, that could be kind of fun. I think that's, for me, that's the key why I'm going to see that movie. I think a lot of people probably feel that he way. He and Vin I mean, Diesel having a bald off. If any, if anything is going to really mix that movie up and make it work, I think it could be that aspect. Cause I mean, that's just fun. I mean, that's like putting like little candy corns in your cotton candy. Like, okay. You know, like it's still cotton candy, but at least it's got little crunchy candy corns in it. So. Well, there you go. Yeah. And I will admit, it looks better than Transformers 3. Because Transformers 3, it's like a sizzle reel. I feel like I don't need to see the movie now. I'm like, okay, that's all the cool special effects stuff. I don't need to see anything else. You know, Fast Five, I mean, the trailer shows just the kind of stupid macho dialogue it has. But at least it's good dialogue, you know, for that kind of movie. Transformers 3, no dialogue. dialogue. Yeah, it's like you get Shia LaBeouf, you see him for like a second. Like, what, he doesn't talk in this movie? He's mute? He's not running around going, no, 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 no. Yeah, like... I think it always says something when you don't see, you don't hear any dialogue in a trailer. I mean, that's that's kind of a giveaway that the dialogue is probably not that good. Well, the thing about these movies, it's happened every time now, is they cut together a trailer with lots of stuff blowing up and slow motion, three sixty shots of sunsets and whatnot, and people are like, oh, it looks so sick, and then you <laughs> go see the movie and it's two and a half hours of like Taco Bell product placement and dogs humping and Shia LaBeouf's parents peeing on the face of John Turturro while a Linkin Park song plays and the American flag is waving in slow motion and the robot is transforming but the camera is too close so you can't see what's happening and stuff. That's pretty much about it, I think. I feel like I don't even need to see the movie now. Thank you, Ethan. Yeah, you've just saved me the two just and a half hours the movie's going to be plus the two-hour drive. and yeah. You've saved me four and a half hours, sir. Well done. Thank you. Um... Ever so briefly, even though I know it's had a trailer, uh, Mars Needs Moms, easily the worst trailer of the, of the Super Bowl. I'm going to try to be optimistic because I think I will catch this one. I'm going to have to. I need to catch some new movies. I haven't caught new movies in a while. Just like I'm going to have to see Pirates 4. Still going to suck, and I know it, but... Yeah, it doesn't look any good. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's let's just talk about the two big comic book movie trailers. Captain America, let's get that one out of the way first. Okay. Uh, I think it looks very promising. I hope so. It just it felt like they compacted so much in those thirty seconds. I didn't really feel like I I got a real feel for the tone, which is you know what I'm always looking for with the trailer. Yeah, that's that's very fair. But I, I still think like I'm not the biggest Captain America fan, but it looks interesting. It does. I mean, the fact that Joe Johnston's directing it. I mean, you know, granted. Jurassic Park 3 is no classic, but I think Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and The Rocketeer are classics, and I think he's really good with special effects and bubblegum type of stories. So this could work, um, but uh, the trailer for me didn't really give me any indication if 
I don't know. Like even even uh, whether Chris Evans is going to be, you know, able to hold the screen. I just I don't know. Did you see this one, Ethan? Yes, and it was the best thirty seconds of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, there is one scene that gives me pause, and that's when he's like flying through the air in the warehouse. And it's just like, where is that coming from? Because the rest of it seems pretty grounded. And yeah. I don't know. And who knows? It, there's parts of the trailer that look like it could not be set during World War II. So who knows what's going to happen with this? I felt like I saw more Blake Lively than I did of Chris Evans. There are worse things. But I... There's that. True. I oh, did Blake like... Lively's in what's that? Blake Lively's in it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the shot of, of uh, the Red Skull pulling off his mask. That that was cool. Yeah, I have friends who are like, I wanted to see more! Oh, which yeah. is exactly what you want out of a trailer. Yeah, yeah, but I want at least establishing a tone. I mean, I, I shouldn't even be bringing this movie up because I know it's just gonna just gonna cause all sorts of problems here. But like, remember the the teaser for Inception? I mean, that feels like a snippet of the movie. You get yes. the tone, you get the feel, you get the music that you love so much, Dave. You know, I don't uh, mind the music. I th- I, it's just a funny <laughs> joke to have, and you're really good at impersonating it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, like I mean, I felt like after that, okay, that's that's the movie, and I see that teaser trailer, and I feel still feel like okay, this is the snippet of the film. But to be fair, the Inception trailer was also even as as a, as a teaser trailer, it was longer than thirty seconds. Yes, with Captain but America sure, being like thirty seconds. The teaser seconds. trailer was really short. Yes, though. but I think we're gonna get a better teaser eventually. This was essentially again them putting together a sizzle reel this is stuff you're gonna see let's get you hyped up and amped up for it and then we'll talk about the story later and it's probably a better sizzle reel than the transformers 3 one i mean i liked the shot of the robot twirling around blowing up everything in the kingdom come but i mean it still looks like a bad movie yeah but, but no you're right captain america at least has that kind of old feel nostalgic maybe what quasi indiana jones it could, potential yeah, so. yeah but it has the same problem that the thor trailer has that that was an awful awful commercial because you didn't see anything about the movie at all really hmm like the trailer, you know, as much as I give it crap for the, the the real world stuff looking like garbage, it's still a much better trailer than what we've gotten at thirty seconds. It's almost like Marvel should have saved their money. Don't you think though that Super Bowl trailers are really all about those stupid sizzle reel shots? It seems like they, they've because I remember even like the Mission Impossible three trailer that premiered the Super Bowl years ago, and I just I remember a lot of stuff blowing up, and I'm like I didn't even know that Philip Seymour Hoffman was the villain in it. It's like what is this movie even about? It looks like a lot of stuff blowing up and Tom Cruise jumping off of buildings. Well, I think that Uncle Boonby, who can recall his past lives spot, was pretty good, you know, showing the tone and how slowly paced it is and everything and the magical realism aspect. So that was the best ad for me. There you go. You know what's crazy? An Enter the, Enter the Void trailer would actually play during the Super Bowl. Oh, totally. It would play really, really well, actually, and I think people would actually go for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I've got that on my Netflix because it's on watch instantly. You're just waiting for like that brave night where you're like, well, Let's no do one's it. around, nothing's, nothing to do. I got two and a half hours to just destroy yet open my mind. Exactly. You, you got it right there, sir. You got it. Can we talk about Battle Los Angeles for a second? Anybody yes, interested in this? Or? That looks kind of promising. I'm, I'm really, I, I don't know. I'm not expecting greatness, but it looks like fun. If it's on a little like Independence Day, which it looks like it easily could be. It looks smarter and grittier yes. and scarier than Independence Day. Yeah, so I'm totally down. I've, yeah, <laughs> did you see that one, Ethan? Uh, I think I did. I remember the first trailer for that. I actually, the first trailer for that was pretty awesome. Yeah, I like that whole build up to the different photos and stuff that they had. I I do miss that. But like, I I, I can see the movie not being very interesting, but just the way that first trailer was put together, I thought was pretty awesome. And 
there was a trailer that was not at all what as I was expecting. If you talk about something, you were talking about something that gives you a sense of the tone of the film and what's going to be. The Super Eight trailer gave us that. Yeah, what a shock to even see that. I, I wasn't expecting a Super Eight trailer. I know oh, they, they had announced that they were. They doing did it, announce it, man, because I, I that totally came out of nowhere for and me. And I haven't been following its development at all, so I had no idea it was going to be ET meets Close Encounters. Yeah, and it, it is interesting. I mean, you know, from the beginning, Abram said that he wanted this to be a, an early Spielberg movie, and it, indeed, if nothing else, it looks like he's going for that. Yeah, which yeah. It, it looks again promising. It looks pretty darn decent. Yeah, yeah, which is great because I think you know it, was, it, it shows a lot in thirty seconds. Like this is this is one where I really feel like they chose the images clearly. You really get an idea. It almost looks like kind of like nineteen fifties The Blob kind of thing. Yeah, um, but you don't see the shark. Right, no shark. Although, I, did you see the hidden images in there? Apparently, there's a lot of hidden no. imagery in it. Apparently, I didn't you might go see the monster. Or, uh, I've, I've, no. Okay. <laughs> we're not, we're screen geeks, but we're not that geeky. We don't go frame by frame. Through I've been trailer. rebuilding a website, so <laughs> you've had better things to do. Yes. Uh, were there any other trailers we really need to talk about? I yeah, just, I yeah, yeah. Be Cow, Cowboys and Aliens. Oh yeah, that was great. Because honestly, like you know. The the first trailer was out there. I mean, it kind of left us in a dusty town at night with things we couldn't see flying overhead. I mean, it looked fun, but eh, that could go either way. The stuff they showed at the Super Bowl trailer, I mean, even Fabro has said that this is just the first half of the movie. He refuses to let any trailers give away anything that happens in the second and following half, and I love that because I okay. hate it when trailers give you, you know, cl- clips of the climax and clips of the final scene. Um, but, wow, the footage was really, I thought, really eye-opening. Yeah. I, I'm curious, though, how this will play, just because w- the party I saw it at, everyone, when the title came up, all these French guys were like, what, what, and cowboys at aliens, huh? So, I don't know. <laughs> all right, then. <laughs> I, I have no response I just, to that. I just love the image of that. That's great. Yes. They're all wearing berets and smoking. So, what is this, cowboy and aliens? I love that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, you know, you're right, Ethan. I mean, it could be campy and embarrassing, but I, I do have faith with Favreau, even after, yeah. even after Iron Man too. Yeah, well, that was obviously a rush job too. So that's why he's not doing three. And we haven't talked about that, we have didn't. we? We, yeah. we missed yeah. that, didn't we? How, how dare we? Because that is interesting. Of all well, it's people, not, it's not official yet, but okay. But yeah, they suggested so Shane Black is up for the job. Yes, and having just watched Kiss Kiss Bang Bang again this week. That could be like the coolest movie ever. That could, and you know he works, of course, really well with Downey Jr. I mean, that's that's a really interesting choice. I mean, yes. they went with the guy who, like, okay, like this Downey Jr. is going to love working with this guy, as opposed to like let's have Joe Johnson or Dominic Sena or John Turtletop directed. They went with with a really interesting choice. Yeah, yeah, I would have loved, I would have killed to see Herzog do an Iron Man movie, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what, me too. <laughs> That'd be great. That would be like the most leisurely paced and moody and bizarre and surrealistic film. But you know what? Shane he, Black is good too. If he was doing the Demon in the Bottle movie, mm. then that could be interesting. Oh yeah, that would be Bad Lieutenant, Portocol, New Orleans with special effects. Man, that would be amazing. A boy can hope. Yeah, no kidding, man. <laughs> so screw Shane Black. Go with Hertz. No, Shane Black. I think is a very solid. <laughs> he is a great choice. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It, it's interesting because you know Warner's. Excuse me, not Warner's. I'm sorry. Marvel, Marvel Comics, and Marvel Studios. They have a reputation for being really cheap. Yes. So I guess they met Shane Black's price, possibly. Yeah, could be. Who knows? We will see. Yeah. I think that was the end of the trailers. There weren't that many trailers. No, there really weren't. But that's okay because we're like in an hour into the episode anyway, so okay. that's all good. Um, yeah, good times. Oh, and in case you haven't noticed, if you haven't been to ScreenGeeks.com, you totally should. We've got a little bit different look now. Yeah, just a bit. Um, okay. Let's go ahead and talk about what is hitting theaters this week. Yes. Uh, 
Well, <laughs> you know, I I wouldn't normally even say this because you know I'm not like a grandstand or anything, but you know, it's it's. It, it always happens to me. It, it's the weekend of my birthday, and it's always these bad films. I, I haven't lucked out with movies, I think, since the 80s have opened up that have been cool like around my birthday. But this week we got Big Mamas, Like Father, Like Son. Um, Big Mama's House 3 with Martin Lawrence and um, the actor from Tropic Thunder. can't think of his name at the moment. Um, I Am Number 4. What's a better title for that, Ethan? I Am Number 2. <laughs> Excellent. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to see that on Friday, on Thursday night, so we'll we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. You know, it, it looks They did a screening last week too, which is interesting that they'd add a screening a week out. It it could be something like, I mean, for me like it reminded me almost like the last Mimsy, which had a really intriguing looking trailer until you saw the movie, but, you know, it could go either way. It looks so twilighty to me. I think that's my problem with the Dang. trailer. Cuz okay. cuz it has I mean, I like Alien on the Run movies. I love those types of films, but you know, you just know the love story is just going to go in there and take... You know, it's, it, this isn't Starman where, like, you know, yes, it's a love story, but you still got the special effects and Jeff Bridges. I mean, this is, you know, this... We'll see. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. Um, and then finally, Liam Neeson back kicking butt again. I love it that he is, like, our next action hero. Who would who saw this coming? <laughs> Liam Neeson, no Oscar Schindler kicking butt, taking names in Unknown. Yes. And that's it. All right. Well, let's hit in DVD next week. DVD, we've got... Um, a movie that, you know what, I laughed, and I, I think Ethan probably shares this opinion with me. I mean, I laughed at Due Date, but I think I thought it was kind of disappointing, to tell you the truth. Ethan? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't really have more to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, parts of it I laughed, but for the most part, I think the, the potential of that movie didn't really, I don't think it was really there. Um, yeah, so that's with Robert Downey Jr. and Zach Galifianakis. Did I say it right? Galifianakis. Galifianakis. One day I will say his name right. It's okay. Megamind uh, with voice work including Will Ferrell and Tina Fey and Brad Pitt. Um, yeah, I've heard it's watchable. I, okay. I saw it. <laughs> and? Uh, it played in front of me and I uh, my face sort of just remained in the same position for 90 minutes and I left and I went to sleep. Okay. Well, so it's memorable. Man, it's, it's no my soul to take. <laughs> oh, Few but films what is? Are Dave? Few films oh, are on that I level. This you are, out. yeah, you're in for a huge treat. Just don't watch it back to back with Enter the Void. You'll be, <laughs> you'll be gone. Um, All Star Superman. This is the newest DC animated film. Uh, early reviews have said it's the best one that they've done yet. Great. So great. really interesting. interesting Superman's my favorite character, so yeah, sweet, Grant, sweet. This is from the comic run I think Grant Morrison wrote, and it's, it, that got stellar write-ups as well. So yeah, Fantastic. That's exciting. Yes. Uh, Weeds, season six, more of Mary Louise Parker as the pot-smoking mom. Who doesn't pot-dealing love that? mom. Pot-dealing mom, sorry. Well, she probably smokes some too, but... But she probably keeps a little on the side, you know, like a yeah. good dealer does, you there know, you but go. not the whole stash because, you know, you got to keep a little for yourself and a little for the peeps, you know. <laughs> so I've heard. Um, Get Low. I like this film a lot. In fact, I was kind of appalled that Bill Murray was enough for Best Supporting Actor, to tell you the truth. Uh, this is Robert Duvall, Bill Murray, Stacey Spacek, and Lucas Black. It's a small, it's a low-key movie, no question. It's really low-key. Um, it's incredibly atmospheric, and uh, it has one of these endings, I think, that justifies how leisurely paced the beginning is. Um, but I was very fond of this movie, and I think Bill Murray's terrific in this. Cool. Uh, let's see. What else we got? Uh, also, finally, available on Criterion, The Sweet Smell of Success, classic film, made into a Broadway musical with uh, John Lithgow a few years back. Wow. And then finally, a film that actually premiered at the Denver Film Festival, and it was in theaters for about five seconds. Still haven't seen it. I've heard it's terrific, called Fish Tank. 
essentially, if Michael Fassbender's in it, it's getting released. That's what it seems like right now. Nice. Well, that's that's a pretty good criteria right there. Yes. Um, there is one bit of news I forgot to bring up. Starfest is coming up. We are going. We are covering it. Uh, they've started announcing guests. Uh, so far, we have got Marina Baccarin from V and Firefly. Uh, we have got David Prowse, the original for Darth, Darth Vader. Vader. Yes. Who I, I, I want to I talk to the guy just because I want to hear the uh, alternate lines he was spouting out when he found out he wasn't <laughs> doing the voice. <laughs> That'd be interesting. <laughs> who come your mother? Who knows? Um, and then um, Mark Shepard, who is in... Shoot. He is uh, Badger and Firefly. He's Crowley and Supernatural. He is Sterling and Leverage. He's the one who I'm probably looking most forward to. But right now, this is shipping up to be really a really good lineup. Excellent. So these are confirmed. Yes. Um, there's some rumored ones, but we're not going to get into that. No, we can't officially get into those designed. Yet. There's but... like three or four of them, and I have my suspicions about another one. And if that one works out, I will be geeking myself all over the place. <laughs> you have been warned, <laughs> listeners. And and Dave mentioned this briefly, but let's let's seriously pimp this for just a moment. The site is terrific. Go to go to the Screen Geek site. It is new. It is improving. Chances are, if you're listening to this, you've already been. But seriously, check it out. If you're just listening to us from the Facebook feed, um, Screen Geeks Radio is it .com? No, it's just ScreenGeeks.com. Just ScreenGeeks.com as always. Yep. It looks great. There's all sorts of stuff up. There's it's, new stuff to check out. It's more minimalistic, but it's just not as cluttered as it used to be. Yes, and uh, there's just more options. It looks cool. It's still a work in progress, but uh, uh, you know, Dave's Dave's building a Dave is really building a, a really great mousetrap over there. So I'm check to. it out. I'm trying to. So uh, yeah, if you want to shoot us an email, by all means do. You can email us at podcast Barry, Dave, or Ethan, all at screengeeks.com. You can also shoot us an email. Uh, give us a call at 719-358-2675. And I guess I'll do it for this week. So until next week, this is Dave. This is Barry. This is Liam Neeson's evil twin. Nice. 